This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're On our show tonight, Howling Under the Full Moon, we will explore Charles Band's Empire Full Moon Entertainment. We've got trancers, sci-fi epics, and vampires all in one place. When you need a break from reality, let our host show you through the madhouse of killer bombs, psychopathic cookies, and maniacal puppets. Don't be a squid and join us in the fun. A hidden laboratory. A scientist gone mad has created a way to bring our oldest fears to life. You know their names. You know their faces. But you've never seen them like this. Memory serves. I was significantly larger. You see, we need a girl to bring you all up to normal size. We four shall find this girl. We nightmares. Made flesh. Shall walk the night again. folks and ladies and gentlemen welcome to another edition of cinema degenerations howling at the full moon and we have another great little flick for you little by no means to to be a funny line but yet it is a great little flick we are going to be doing the creeps from 1997 directed by the man charlie band himself and written by neil marshall aka benjamin carr uh, this this was one that I hadn't seen it here in, in quite a few years. And then again, a lot of these that we've been revisiting, I haven't seen in quite a few years. But I'm glad I did. And joining me this evening once again is my usual co-host and cohort in crime, Dustin Hubbard. How we doing? 
Hey, doing good. Thank you. In the time continuing of things, this is the second show we've done tonight, but it'll be, it'll be released, uh, you know, a couple weeks apart. But we're doing two back-to-back for you. We're doing a, a, a great little double feature, but not that you would know it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the Creeps, a.k.a. Deformed Monsters, as we were talking about off the air, I don't get that that, that title. I mean, I, I kind of get it, but like you said off the air, it's kind of a a bullshit, you know, streaming retitling that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Not at all. But, uh, yeah, we're going to go do the, the the creeps. Hold on one second here while I bring up my IMDb, and uh, we will do the quick IMDb synopsis. All right, creeps, 1997, is as follows. A mad scientist brings Dracula, the Wolfman, the Mummy, and Frankenstein's monster to life. But there's a problem, and they end up being only three feet tall. And I would have to say that's pretty much the gist of the story. Uh, there's a little bit more going on, but th- th- this movie, as much as I liked it, as much as I liked it, it's very, uh, i got to watch my wording here, but I'm going to say it anyway, it's very short on plot. Yes, it. I, like I said before the show, it it feels like so much is going on, but there's really not a lot of anything going on at the same time. <laughs> the, this movie is great for one thing. It is great for one reason. It is a great extended demo reel for Phil Fontacaro. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, he is the MVP here. He is the shining star of this movie. He is the shining star of any movie he's in. When he's in a movie, you're in for a treat. But he plays one of the best versions of Dracula I've ever seen, one of the most understated and underappreciated versions of Dracula that I've ever seen on film. Yes, he is... All things considered with this movie, I think one of the things that helps make it work is the fact that we have probably one of the goofiest concepts in (laughs) film history, but the thing that helps keep it grounded is Phil Fondacaro takes this role 200% seriously and plays legitimately probably one of the best count draculas i think that has ever been put to film truthfully he is incredible as count dracula i love those red eye contact lenses that easy that they had him in i imagine that had to be hell to try to film in but those he looks devilish. He looks downright devilish with those contact yeah. lenses. I'm sure that they were a total bitch to wear, but you know what? Like, Phil Fondacaro doesn't know how to phone in performances, so I, I think he always seemed like an actor who, if it, if the role required it, he would do it. Whether he, whether he liked it, whether it was comfortable, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, he, he, he just always has seemed like someone that was game for whatever the job required and those red contacts work really well for him yeah, they make him seem like i said just downright devilish and phil Fontacaro, he's he's full moon royalty as far as i'm concerned i mean from blood dolls to demonic toys to uh 
I mean, Evil Bong, you name it, he's done it. Dollman versus Demonic Toys, he's been into just about every other Full Moon movie there is. And he's just, he's so fucking good. It's so just underutilized and underused, you know, and most of the times, with the exception of this movie, he's always a supporting character. And, And this is a rare chance for him to be, you know, up front and center. And I love it for it. And, you know, what? I, the first note I have here, Phil fucking Fondacaro as Dracula. What else do you need? Yeah, I mean, it speaks speaks for itself, truthfully. <laughs> right. But we also get some other uh, Full Moon alumni. We get uh, Rhonda Griffin, a.k.a. Uh, Alvina Shaw from Hideous, as uh, Anna Corals, uh, the mis- <laughs> miscast, maybe, I was going to say, but but uh, she's uh, mi- a misled librarian. She is a very, uh, uh, you know, very, I'm trying to think of the right word here to describe her, but she's very mean and very kind of bitchy, to, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, to everybody around her when it was her own kind of, her, her own mistake that got her into trouble in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she's like, very she's very high strung feeling, but granted, I mean she's in a she's in quite a, a predicament, but yeah, she's very very bitchy. Yeah, and very clueless too, because um one of the other supporting characters in this movie, Miss Christina, played by Kristen Norton, who I gotta mention was in one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time, uh, Apex from ninety-four, which was her debut film, but Kristen Norton is great. She kind of reminds me of a less comical Jane Lynch, but she's very, very upfront about the fact that she's hitting on Anna, but Anna seems very clueless, either that, or she's just so disinterested that she's just ignoring all of her advances throughout the whole, the movie that Miss Christina has on her, but yeah, it's a touch of, I still feel like a touch of that Alvinish Alvinish Shaw coming through a bit from Hideous, where she still kind of has that sort of like confused, sort of like uh, innocent ignorance about her. Yeah. So. I think the most of this movie, about 85% of it takes place in, in a library. Which the library location is very unique. I tried to look up to see where they filmed it, but I couldn't find any information on that. But it's a great location, very detailed, very archaic, you know, this old school looking library. Very beautiful location. And the rest of it takes place in a video store, which is where (laughs) we get a lot of our meta kind of uh, get some transfers posters on the wall. You get uh, head of the family. People poster. <laughs> there's a what? Quick shot of a seed people poster. Yep, yep. There's a little bit of uh, head of the family on there, and I, I, I think that you know it's it's kind of funny when you kind of if you really pay close attention and you pause it, you can see posters for like the Glimmer Man, uh, Mighty Ducks, Ransom, uh, Chain yeah. Reaction to to you know to name just a few. <clears throat> I feel like I saw a poster for Exit Wounds at one point too. Yep, yep. <laughs> a lot of Steven Seagal in that in that in yeah. that video store. There's there's a lot of the uh, the detective guy, the David Raleigh character. His his the way he is always kind of conducting phone business, where he's trying to like get 
I don't know if he's trying to get copies of things for his store or getting bootlegs of unreleased stuff because this was very much before the era of uh, the modern kind of boutique companies we know now, like Scream Factory and Arrow Vinegar Syndrome, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, where kind of Anchor Bay was the only company that was like, hey, we're going to release Evil Dead for the first time on VHS in 15 plus years, you know? Like, right, didn't have right. that. So, a lot of stuff that would have been bootleg fodder was still very much sought after back in the day. So, he's talking about all these weird, you know, you know, Cantonese language <laughs> films and things right. that he's getting bootlegs of people for. At one point, he even mentions getting barbed wire dolls. Uh, for someone, which is ironic because many years later, Full Moon would end up distributing a remastered version of Barbed Wire Dolls on DVD. <laughs> so, yeah, he mentions a lot of uh, John Woo titles and a lot of uh, Kung Fu flicks and things like that that he's going to get. Yeah. Yep, even at one point when facing the creeps, he says something to the effect of like, it feels like he's in a Fellini movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like I, I kind of look upon um, uh, Justin Lauer, who plays uh, Raleigh. I kind of look upon him as almost like a, a Saul Goodman from uh, Breaking Bad. You know, he's operating, you know, his, you know, his 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 real business in the back of another business. And he's kind of like a fast talker like Saul. That's kind of where the similarities end. But that's what it kind of reminded me of. Mm-hmm. And. It's just, he's a great character. I, I love David Raleigh. He's 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 a great character. He's gr- he's a good comic relief. But speaking yeah. of comic relief, the beginning there's a, something I had to make a note here. When the guy who plays uh, Bobby or uh, Bill Monahan plays Winston Berber, who is the the quote quote unquote Moyahan is kind of a a mad scientist of sorts, but he's he's posing as a guy named Mister Jameson, and I love when. Uh, Anna says to him something to the effect, are you feeling all right? And I'm like, no, Mr. Jameson or AKA Mr. Berber is not feeling all right. Cause he's definitely shaky. He's sweaty. He's fidgety. You know, he's up to no good, but I do find it's very fitting that, uh, you know, you have to be gloved and masked to get to look at these books and you know he is the, he's there to to steal an original handwritten copy the original handwritten manuscript of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein because what he's doing the gist of his story is he's taking the different stories based on the mummy the wolfman dracula and frankenstein the original stories and he's somehow made a, mach- a contraption a machine i still don't get the the science in this that can turn little literary characters into real people he does literary and even historical characters. So I'm like, does that mean he could like bring some like a historical figure who has been dead from the past back to life in it too? Yeah, <laughs> does that mean he could bring back like Attila the Hun or Genghis Khan or something like I, that? As long as there was maybe an original written manuscript that could be pulled from, maybe. <laughs> You know, so I guess you could say if um, if he just had a history book, he could bring just about anybody back. Yeah. But he seems hell bent on taking copies that are first editions. I don't get you know. There, there's some more to the science there, but Bill Moynihan is he's great. He's only did a, a, a several different movies. 
you know, he didn't do a, a whole lot. He passed away here, I think it was uh, almost a year ago to the day he died. This is my notes here, uh, February 14th, 2021. So he died, died just a little less than a year ago. But he he was a great character. He was very, dis, very particular, very, you know, <laughs> kind of like, in lack of better terms, he kind of seemed like somebody that would have been right at home in a Revenge of the Nerds kind of movie. Totally, because his his entire motive is literally revenge. Because he even goes so far as to complain about the the bitch at the the DMV <laughs> and things yeah. like that. And just it's generally just good old fashioned revenge. He wants to bring some like monsters to life that he can control and just basically go get revenge on the bullies. Like it's the most basic, simple, <laughs> right. Motive. Humanly possible, just good old fashioned revenge. He just wants to do it with classic monsters. Yep, yep. But the point that I was going to make that I got I got a little off track here. The point I was going to make was that he has to wear, you know, gloves and mask, which I think is very poignant when you think of where we're at today in the middle of COVID. Yep. But once he goes, he he takes the real book, swaps it out with another book that he ma- made that like and how he knew what this book looked like to make the cover. Again, you know. Plot hole, but what can you do? <laughs> but he switches it out, and then um, Alvina, no, not Alvina, damn it. <laughs> Anna, sorry, Anna Quarles, getting myself mixed up. Same actress, different movie. Uh, but she goes to to look at the book. She's, she's not wearing a mask, and she's not wearing gloves. So the fact that they were so particular that no skin oil could get on this, and you had to wear a mask because you couldn't breathe on it, they don't. They don't seem to care when it's when it's not. You know, when it's uh, an employee, it just didn't make sense. They're gonna say continuity, schmontinuity. <laughs> so remember the best. The best form of preservation is no handling. <laughs> no handling. Just like kind of when success. Uh, <laughs> or when um, oh. Uh, Kristen Norton and Miss Miss Christina goes and takes out a copy of uh, oh. What was the book Jane. she took? Jane Eyre, yeah. And she is not only not wearing gloves, not wearing a mask, she is rubbing that book all over her body as if it was a uh, a massage tool. And I'm like, I'm like that that's not that that's a little bit more than even handling. That's full full on molestation right there. Yeah, she's she's literally making love to the book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a funny scene and, and kudos to her for going all out with that. That was funny. But uh, we, then we get to the point where we actually get introduced to private detective David Raleigh. And he is, like I said, just kind of like a Saul Goodman, you know, uh, when uh, Anna says, how, you know, when she asks or he asks her, how'd you find me? And he's, she's like, well, you know, a friend of mine recommended you and because, you know, you were the cheapest there was. And he's like, well, cheap is a niche, right? And mm-hmm. yes, yes, it it really is, and I love the fact that they recycle the uh, when they when he's looking for fingerprints, they recycle what I call the Beverly Hills Cop Two method. When they take yeah. the yeah the aquarium and use the 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 super glue and the fumes to show up on the fingerprints, I was like, oh, little note here using the Axel Foley me- method. They, movies can teach you things. Yeah, yes, yes, they can. Uh, I, I do think this movie does benefit from some neat transitions. 
the the wipes and the fades <laughs> that are done with the crackling electricity, which you know yeah. I, I'm. I love the electricity transitions. <laughs> I, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. I, I love that kind of stuff, but I, I think it it also needs mentioning that when. <laughs> You know, he's done already stolen the first book. He stole Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. He shows back up the library a couple days later at, after, you know, David Rowley has not, you know, come up with any clues to where this guy is because she's, you know, he stole the book and she's trying to, you know, figure out where the book is and return it to his rightful place before her boss finds out. But when he shows up, the reaction that Rhonda Griffin has is great because she just starts uttering words, not saying sentences. She's just like, jail, arrest, p- p- police. <laughs> it's just, it's a great kind of stuttering moment. But, homosexual uh, gang rape. <laughs> homosexual gang rape, yes. It's, 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 it's great, but, you know, it does, it does take a little while to get rolling, you know, but when it does, it's a lot of fun. And it's, you know, again, as like the last movie we did, Shrunken Heads, it's a little weird. It's a little bit of a weird concept. It is very weird. (laughs) But you know what, though? It is very Full Moon, because as anyone who is familiar with Full Moon or Charles Band, they know that there is a definite affinity for little creatures. So I guess in the bigger scheme of things, it made sense to eventually tap into some of the classic monsters and just downsize them. Yep, yep. I did make a note of the one line that uh, uh, Anna says to our, our our mad scientist Berber when he says, "Were you fondled by Uncle Charlie?" Which I kind of <laughs> wonder because a lot of people refer to Charles Band as Uncle Charlie. I thought that was a neat kind of in joke. I don't know if that was deliberate, but I'd like to think that it was. Very possible. I, I like to think there was probably some improv a little bit. I. I Personally, I don't know. I feel like maybe the scene with uh, Michael Citronetti slash J.W. Para uh, was probably, I feel like his part was very improv feeling while he's asking for specific titles in the video store while she's chewing out the detective. <laughs> yeah. He's like, do you have Bad Lieutenant? What about, yeah. what, what about Wild at Heart? Yeah, it's a, it's a very much a, a, a point of the a, a moment in time too, because he's like, "Do you have a portrait of a lady?" Which is like a very uh, hoity-toity uh, Jane Campion film from back in the day that probably no one remembers. <laughs> and he's like, "No, it's all checked out." And it's like, "Well, uh, what is it he asks for?" He's like, "Can I get head of the family and bad lieutenant?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. He's like, "Well, do you do you have?" Uh, had something else really hoity-toity i don't remember but then he's like oh can i just get wild at heart and is hideous available yet (laughs) (laughs) like i said very meta very meta when you think about it but the the problem is i mean like when he when uh berber takes uh anna hostage and he's he's you know he has these very specific rules that he's supposed to follow but he never seems very sure of anything like like, oh, we need a woman. Needs to be between the age of 20 to 35, but this'll do. And it's like, we need a virgin, but, you know, he, can't, he, he can never get uh, Anna to admit whether or not she's a virgin. Because he says she says something like, that's none of your business. He's like, well, that answers the question. She's like, well, what is that supposed to mean? He's like, well, you know, are you or aren't you? And again, she's just like, well, that's none of your business. And like, you never quite <laughs> find out.
but he messes things up because, well, I mean, and now Berber has a bit of a, you know, a bit of a problem, a little problem, or as I like to say, four little problems. Because, you know, he has these, these books all set up next to these cages and these containers that, that, that he's supposed to, you know, be uh, materializing these literary archetypes in. But when they come out, they're unfortunately all about three foot tall. And I guess he's not convinced that they can wreak the kind of havoc that he wants them to wreak at three foot tall. I still think a three foot tall Dracula would be pretty fucking scary to have to deal with. Yeah, because he clearly, beyond just being Count Dracula, I mean, he has powers <laughs> that he displays a few times in the movie. So, I mean, he's still com- completely effective, even at three feet tall. So, yeah, and and let's face it, at one point, Frankenstein's monster manages to knock out David with one fell swoop of a punch. So, I mean, these people still have po- powers. The only one that's really kind of a dud and never really gets to do anything is the mummy. The mummy really is just kind of just kind of sort of there, you know, it's like it never really gets to really realize this full potential. Yeah, I feel like the other three monsters, I mean, you you have. Phil and then there's the other guys. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. And that's, that's no slight on the other actors, but granted, the script really doesn't give the other three monsters much to do, and it probably doesn't help that they're all silent monsters, other than maybe some grunts from, say, the, the Frankenstein monster, but they they don't really have a lot to do. It's Dracula is the be-all, end-all <laughs> of the monster quartet. So... It's kind of like a lesser version of Monster Squad. It's like Dracula is, is you know, Dracula is king shit and everybody else is just kind of, uh, it's just kind of there, unfortunately. I hate to say it, like I said, like, well, like you said, huh? Yeah, they're just tagging along. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, the only one that, I'm sorry? I said it's Dracula's show, though. <laughs> yep, yeah, yep, yeah, it is Dracula's show. But, uh, yeah, like I said, Bill's so good as as Dracula and those damn red eyes. It gets me every time. And I have to admit, like my favorite character besides uh, Bill as Dracula is Miss Christina. This movie could have benefited from a lot more, you know, Miss Christina. But, you know, she would pop up. She does become, you know, uh, the the victim, so to speak, because they go back and the, the little guys go back. And they kidnap who they think is Anna, but it's not Anna. It ends up being Miss Christina. And they have a very weird scene with uh, the wolfman hovering over her as he rips off her clothes and he's drooling on the camera. It's like a drool point of view shot. Uh, (laughs) uh, Yuck. That's all I can (laughs) say is yuck. And this is the first time I went into watching this because, you know, I tried to do my due diligence and do a little studying up on it. And it's we had this discussion off the air, but it is said that this was rated PG-13 in one place. In another place, it says it's rated R. But at the point when I was watching this, it said PG-13. Excuse me. And I have I have DVD copies. I told you I have a a probably bizarrely um, complex collection of creeps. Copies. I have three different DVD copies. I have an I have an, an original run Creeps DVD, 
which I believe I can't remember, uh, but it said one thing and I have a re-release or like a repressing that they did years later with the number stamp on the spine and it has a different rating. So one says PG-13, one says R. I don't know what my three, I, cause I actually have a 3D DVD of it as well because the movie was shot in uh, a 3D format. I've I read that. I don't know what that was. But uh, that's why a lot there are a lot of the in the camera shots, like the 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 spit hitting the camera, and a lot of uh, uh, Berber's taser and that kind of stuff, and a lot of the digital effects of Dracula's powers and stuff. Those are all kind of to lean into that 3D angle. So, but there is some questionable um, <laughs> uh, thought process about what the actual rating is on this because i don't feel like it is a pg-13 i feel like that is full <laughs> yeah this is a full r because i mean let's face it there's uh just one scene of nudity but it's pretty ample nudity and it's uh and it goes on for a few too it's not like it's a brief shot or anything like she's laying there topless for two or three minutes while they have their conversation and she's being con- you know intermittently groped by the by the wolf man as well and plus like i said i think a lot of the virgin and virgin sacrifice talk and stuff i feel like that's not very pg-13 no so. it's not and speaking of the the virgin talk i love the fact when uh <laughs> they actually say the line well how do you divine define virgin is like well when a woman has <laughs> had intercourse with a man and she kind of considers it for a moment she's like yeah yeah i guess you could say i'm a virgin then and she's like, what a manner of speaking. <laughs> <laughs> manner of speaking? I still am a virgin. It doesn't do well for her because yeah. all it does is get her, it basically just gets her not killed because she's transformed back into the, the, the fake world, the, the alternate dimension, I guess. Yeah, she gets absorbed into the void of something. <laughs> you know, Somewhere. maybe much like another movie we did here recently, maybe she was taken back into the eighth dimension <laughs> you never know, you never know. <laughs> she she blips back out of it briefly as a uh a very Amazonian kind of xena warrior princess type of character <laughs> yeah she kind of has got a very warrior woman valkyrie kind of look to her which was yep. a great look yeah but but <laughs> like i i i, I like uh, i made a note here i'm like Dracula just needs to kill Berber and accept this fate instead of just, you know, because there's the whole exchange when Berber says, I am the master. And, he, and Dracula basically says, you know, to the extent of, you know, where is that written? And why yeah. are you the master? He's like, I'm clearly the one with the powers here. Yep. But uh, that would have been the version of the movie I would have liked to have seen, which is Dracula just biting into Berber and taking him out. But. And again, that's not the movie we got. This is the movie we have. But uh, yeah, the, the monsters kill no one. <laughs> yeah, the monsters do do not kill a single person. I mean, the closest thing to anybody dying in this movie is Miss Christina getting yeah, death I mean, death by somewhat of pixelate pixelization, so <laughs> to speak. I mean, in my in my mind, at the risk of jumping forward, I would I I would give it a a two person body count just because her and Berber eventually get pulled into the void 
and to me just ceasing to exist in our world just basically tells me that you're dead <laughs> for me but it, there's no actual kills like the monsters don't get to do anything other than abduct two women and that's about it yeah and do it a lot of stalking and a, a lot, lot of, of motion shots of them you know the attack like when they trip her and stuff that's a great sequence and you get the slow motion shot with the the cool music and whatnot i believe this was also uh scored by carl dante the same guy great score uh killer eye so the the score work is pretty pretty incredible to set the mood but beyond that like the monsters don't really have a lot to do other than kind of stand there and look scary and phil's phil's the one who locks out because he gets to have he's the one that gets to actually have the dialogue and gets to perform so yeah so i was gonna say just because uh dracula and, and the other guys get shrunk down their power you know their powers sure haven't shrunk in size it's just a shame that you never really get a chance to see them use their powers. You get a few instances where Dracula uses his powers, you know, against uh, Raleigh, uh, Raleigh, sorry, and, and Anna and whatnot, and in the end, towards the end with uh, Berber. But it's, it's like you never, you know, he never gets to bite anybody. He never turns into a bat. He never really, you know, Frankenstein monster doesn't do anything but punch david once in the face and unfortunately the the wolfman gets kind of turned into a creeper and the mummy is just kind of sort of there yeah and what's funny one one thing i think is interesting to note is is that when they first all emerge from their chambers and dracula is being explained the reality of the situation he's like i know you know he says, you know, he he knows who he is and what he's experienced. And he's like, I know, I know all of these, you know, people, you know, because they've, you know, he's aware of their existence and he explains who each of them are, but he never actually calls any of them by what they are. He never calls the, the werewolf, the werewolf or the wolf man. He never calls the mummy a mummy. He never calls Frankenstein's monster frankenstein frankenstein's monster you know he which i thought was kind of a maybe i'm reading into that too much but no i actually had a note here about that is like in during that scene you know he's he claims that he knows who they all are and he kind of calls them his brothers and his brethren but he never fully refers to them by name mm -hmm. which i felt like was i just feel like this was a it's, it's a good movie you know I, I do like the movie but i feel like it's an idea that was not fully developed before they went into production i think that, that sequence, the bonus is is that you could have a flat sequence where dracula is like yeah i know frankenstein's monster the wolfman and the mummy i remember them <laughs> they're my brothers in darkness or whatever or you could have phil fonda caro explain in detail the character without saying who they are and actually you know you get more phil fontecaro acting <laughs> so which is I, not a bad thing i think it's a win in in that respect yeah it but, gives him he's got more dialogue than anybody in this movie when because he's his sequences you know when he's given out his uh his dialogue he's got a more extensive dialogue than anybody yeah which i love good. 
it's good dialogue. He has he has he has some good speeches and mm-hmm. uh, a dedication to the role with you know. the way he carries himself and his accent and just kind of giving off a very intimidating, but sort of stoic and sort of powerful, silent nobility. If Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. Very something to respect from an acting standpoint, because like I said, like he, he took the role so seriously because that's, not, I mean, goes without saying, but people of similar stature don't get calls regularly saying, hey, I want you to play Count Dracula, you know, but I think, and I've I've said this before to you, I think Phil Fondacaro was one of those actors that sort of transcends typecasting, and he has been typecast in a few things, which, you know, depending on who you talk to is a good thing or a bad thing, you know. I love Ice T's quote that you know typecasting is the best thing that ever happened to him because it meant a steady flow of work. But I think that for every movie Phil might have been typecast in, he had like five roles where he was actually just cast as a bona fide legitimate character that had nothing to do with his stature. It had to do with the fact that he's just a good fucking actor. And when oh, he shows yeah. up, he brings it tenfold. He doesn't fuck around. He doesn't phone performances in. Like he I was showed just going to say, he does not. He doesn't phone it in ever. No, he doesn't know how to do that. He, I don't think he ever did. Even as far back as I can remember, I don't remember any movie where I feel like he just showed up and cashed a paycheck. I don't think that's the kind of talent that he is. So I mean, he took this role one hundred percent seriously and he's someone that just he's he's someone who's played such a diverse collection of characters over his career i mean even if you look at his his full moon resume you know slash empire resume i mean he played a professor of literature in troll obviously that's probably one of my favorite roles of his besides besides this one it's a great great role very sympathetic kind of role yeah, I mean, and clearly he played Torok the Troll in that as well. Uh, he played Malcolm, the actor, in Ghoulies 2. Oh, I love Ghoulies 2. With the carnival assistant in Meridian. He was a security guard in Dollman versus Demonic Toys. You know, uh, he was he was secure he was the security chief in Blood Dolls. they're not they're not like it has nothing to do with size casting him in these roles i mean he was a vampire slayer in decadent evil right 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 like they're not these aren't roles you think yes i need a i need a little person to fill this role no they're just like no give me phil fondacaro even even outside of that i mean he played a pimp in land of the dead he was the keeper of the key in bordello of blood you know he He's just so good at anything he does that his participation, even where this movie lacks, his participation elevates the material higher than it probably deserves. 
Yeah, probably higher than it deserves because I mean, him as Dracula, Dracula, his Dracula character gives absolutely zero fucks. Like he is all business, very serious. Where everybody else around him is being kind of comical and weird. I mean, uh, Berber is kind of you know weird and quirky and whatnot, and you know. Anna and David are both kind of weird, quirky characters. He's not weird and quirky in this. He is playing it straight up, serious to the letter. Like I said, his character is Dracula gives absolutely no fucks. Uh, I, I, you know, he's the MVP here, as I like to say. Totally. The, but back to the plot of the movie. This is the part. <laughs> I had an asterisk here when they get uh, uh, Anna back. You know, they they kidnap her. Uh, I do have a question. What happened to her foot? Like, because I know they tripped her, but, like, next thing you know, her foot's bleeding. Did did I miss something? And You know, did I blink and miss something where somebody bit or scratched her? Or did she just trip? Uh, I don't remember anything specifically detrimental happen- happening to her foot. So. Okay. I, I, it wasn't just me, then. <laughs> don't assume that, like, one of the other monsters actually got to, like, physically injure her. Because <laughs> that didn't happen. So. She just tripped and, and tripped and messed her foot up because she had like the she had one shoe missing. So I always figured maybe she like tripped and broke her foot. I don't know that maybe I'm like I said breathing too much into it. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the point where uh, David tries to come in and save the day. He gets knocked out by Frankenstein, so they kidnap both of them. And this is where we get him back at the the lair, the mad scientist lair that Berber has set up. And quite a little neat little set. I mean, it's all full of tubes and glasses and beakers full of bubbling liquid, like any good mad scientist lair has to have. Because, well, you played a few scientists in your day. You know, you got to have beakers full of bubbling different colored liquids that look like multicolored Gatorades. You know, you got to have that. Yeah, you just you need a, just a bunch of sciencey shit. Doesn't matter what it is or what's in it. Just uh, it's got to look got to look very uh, science class. <laughs> Yes, yes, it does. But this is the point where you find out that, uh-oh, they maybe don't necessarily need a female virgin. They could use a male virgin. And Rutro not looking good for Raleigh because uh, is, he's, he can't defend himself. He's trying to make up a story, and it's pretty clear that he's a virgin between the age of th- 20 and 35. But he comes up with the most lamest of, like, it's just a lame like oh there was this girl it was a friend and she had pink panties and it's just like like come on dude we all know you're a virgin which is funny (coughs) in in the scope of things it's a it's an entire film filled with versions because Obviously, Rhonda Griffin's character is probably a virgin. His character is clearly a virgin. I'm going to assume that Bill Moynihan's character is a virgin because he's like a, a dorky, you know, uh, person who's been, you know, like uh, made fun of and tormented and bullied for his entire life. So he's probably never gotten laid. Miss Christina, she's a lesbian who's never had quote-unquote carnal relations with men so it's like an entire movie probably full of virgins and obviously the monsters too because they're all fake so none of them have ever had sex yeah so this is a movie (laughs) a movie not filmed by virgins but definitely starring a whole bunch of them (laughs) (laughs) 
Because you know, like you said, like everybody is a virgin to some extent. It's kind of funny. I never thought of it that way. I I didn't really until you were explaining that aspect uh, with with him. I was like, oh wait, I th- I think just everyone is. <laughs> so, uh, but man, things just really don't really culminate too much. It like it builds and builds, but the monsters never really harm anybody. They never, well, they they harm a few people, but they never hurt anybody. They never kill anybody. The most that anything happens is uh, Dracula kind of, you know, injures David Rowley a little bit. But, I mean, with his uh, psychotronic powers, but that's really about it. I mean, nope, there's no harm that comes to anybody except for, in the end, poor Miss Miss Christina gets taken to the quote-unquote another world or the eighth dimension whatever you want to call it but uh and the really i mean berber berber's the one person that really kind of gets his but you kind of like you're hoping for him to get killed but you know at least i was i was just waiting for dracula to tear into him but it just never really happens but i love when uh you know anna tries reasoning with the monsters she basically tries telling them you know like if you stay in the worlds that you're in you can die a thousand times. You can get staked in the heart a thousand times and never die. You know, you can get drowned a thousand times and never die. But over here, if you die once in this world, you're going to die for real. And that kind of strikes a chord with them. And I mean, it, you wouldn't think, I mean, I've, I've seen this movie more than once, but at least, you know, first time viewing, you wouldn't think that somebody like uh, the Anna character would be able to reason with them and have them take her seriously. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird when you think about it because the the human villain is eventually dispatched with Miss Christina coming out of the void and she pulls him in and he he vanishes and ceases to exist. And then she's able to somehow appeal to Dracula's senses of, you know, his his being, you know, and what it what it means for him to exist in the real world as opposed to truly being a mortal in literature and somehow talks him into backing down and receding and choosing to basically give up or or basically you know stop the fight and they all (laughs) agree to go back uh where they came from and cease to exist in the real world which i thought was a very bizarrely um not action-packed downbeat ending but i think it's it's it works for phil because like i said he plays the role with such a such a noble charm i think having him do something otherwise would have almost not felt in in theme with what he was doing yeah to have them do anything kind of nefarious and kind of you know it, it would have lessened the role i think they're, yeah, they're bad guys, but they're not evil, if that makes sense. Yeah, the only evil person really in this movie is Berber. Yeah. And he gets, and the, it gets taken away by Miss Christina, so it's all good. Yeah, and of the monsters, maybe the worst one is maybe like the werewolf, just because he gets kind of gropey. <laughs> so, kind of gropey? He gets really gropey in this. They're just, they don't really, they don't do anything overly sinister you know so yeah they 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 kidnap a couple of people and that's really it and and no harm comes to them except for miss christina and i kind of feel like miss christina like ended up in a place that she always wanted to be 
like she comes out this badass Wonder Woman warrior Valkyrie, you know, type character and takes yeah, out no, that's Gerber. A, that's a good point, actually. She probably did ascend to being, you know, living an existence that probably trumped her own uh, being the boss of like the rare books annex, <laughs> which probably <laughs> has like, the most boring job humanly possible. So. Yep, yep. But the, the, their plans are kind of easily thwarted by, uh, you know, by Anna's uh, quick attempt at reasoning with them. But I love the final line that Phil Fondacaro has, and he's like, we will always be with you in your nightmares, <laughs> as he turns and goes away. It's a great, like he said, he plays it with such elegance. He's so regal in this role. It's, it's just so different. And to me, like the movie would have been much better if it would have ended right there, as opposed to the kind of like the tacked on ending with uh, Anna and David at the video store, her showing up and actually paying him the the sixty five hundred dollars that he wanted paid for doing virtually nothing. <laughs> you know, he, he was he was not the Jack Death of uh, the private, the, you know, private detective world. He didn't really do a whole lot. Yeah, not at all. Notice how both of Rhonda Griffin's turns in Full Moon movies involve her being part of situations that require hiring uh, questionable private dicks to yeah. try and figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Then, and yeah, I never thought of that until you mentioned that. It does make sense. She has to hire a private detective to kind of <laughs> to seal the deal. Yep. But it just kind of seemed like a. They wanted that happy, tacked-on ending with, because you know, there's quote-unquote sexual tension between them when he tries hitting on her and asking her out, and she shoots him down. But now she, she warms up to him and ends up uh, agreeing to, you know, to to go out, and they have a kissy kissy moment, and it just all kind of fades away. I think the movie would have been much better as like after Phil walks into the back into the literary world, and he kind of fades away. Should have just ended it right there. It would have, it would have, might have even have taken the movie up a whole solid point for me if it, they, they'd have done it that way. But that's just me. Agreed. It's 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 the main story point that I care about that comes to a yeah. close. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, because I don't really care about Anna. I don't really care about David either. I I cared about the the monsters. I wanted to see more of them, but it, it was a good little movie, and that pretty much sums up the the movie as a whole. That's our ending. So as you well know how we do things around here, we do our final thoughts and ratings and go ahead and give us uh, your rating on a scale from one to 10. So the creeps came out, you know, sort of in that, those early years of full moon home video after the break from Paramount, you know, part of that earlier crop of titles like this and witch house hideous curse of the puppet master. Um, and Rhonda Griffin only ever did two movies for Full Moon, but I think of the two, I think obviously Hideous is the more superior film. But Creeps is weird enough that I think 
people still remember it just because of the concept alone. Unfortunately, they should remember it for Phil Fondacaro's performance because that is um, the be all end all with this movie. Uh, I think of all his work, it's probably his most incredible performance in any movie he's ever done, uh, which is sad that it's not necessarily, I think, the best full moon movie that he's done. But um, he's the best thing in it. And that's Mm -hmm. definitely commendable. Um, But it does have a lot of comedic charm. You know, I think Rhonda Griffin does have some humorous moments as an actress when I see her. And uh, Miss Christina is a is a humorous <laughs> character with weird. <laughs> yeah, love her, love her. Yeah. So um, I don't know how believable it is to me that you know maybe all these manuscripts are being kept in the same book annex, <laughs> you know, like in the exact same location. But uh, you know, uh, Bill Moynihan is was really great as Berber, very uh, physical quirky character actor kind of performance that honestly it is another strong point of the movie i think the two most memorable characters in the movie are him and dracula because uh, Rhonda griffin's character is you know she's there but i don't feel like she's as memorable as alvina shaw personally uh um, no, no i'd agree with that the detective character i don't think he's necessarily all that memorable either i think the 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 private dick from hideous is probably a bit more memorable because he, he had more, he had more of a comedic tone because he just didn't seem like the type of guy that would do that kind of job, but he was really good at it. Whereas this guy kind of sucks at it. (laughs) Well, he sucks at it so bad that he is his second business behind the video store. Behind the video (laughs) store, which was, which, you know, He'd be fucked today because he was a great detective and he would be his business would be closed. So but um I think the movie had strong makeup effects to it. It goes to be said by uh, Gabe Bartalos, who is undeniably a, an, an amazing effects artist, um, designing the makeup effects for all of the the creeps themselves. And it's sad that the the monsters don't have a lot to do. And I think that's a big detriment to the movie because they all four look really cool. And I just feel like they're wasted, you know? And I mean, Joe Simonton, who had played uh, the werewolf had been John Simonton. I'm sorry. Who had played uh, the werewolf had also been in uh, full moon's craw, the sea monster as Chamberlain Lord Doom's henchman. So he'd worked with Fullman before and he was a he was a, a fun actor. I enjoyed his performance in Craw, but he just doesn't have anything really to do here. All those guys are wasted. The monsters are wasted. Yeah, just but a, besides Dracula, all three of the other monsters are horribly wasted. They are. It's it's a movie with a really unique concept that that I I give full props to, but th- there's there's just wasted opportunities, I think, with all of them, and because they're just not utilized. There's nothing for them to do. Like I said, it feels like a movie where so much is going on, but at the same time, there's really nothing happening. So, 
if it weren't for an incredible performance from Phil, you know, and a very solid comedic side performance from uh, Moynihan, I would probably have trouble staying focused. Um, and not to say that I don't love it. I do. I do think it's a very amusing movie, but um, mm. I would probably rate it lower, but I'm going to give it at an entire extra point just because of Phil, because he deserves the, the credit. I think his performance alone makes this entire movie his bitch. <laughs> Very well put. Yeah, I, I would give this movie based on his performance instead of what I would probably give a 6.5. I'm going to give it a 7.5. Now, it's funny that you say it was a 6.5 because that's exactly what I give it. Uh, well, you know, without the and extra point. You know, I don't always do that, the, the half point <laughs> thing either, but um, we're, we're getting so deep into kind of this library that to differentiate, I'm going to need some half points. So, right, right. I just, and not to say that I think it's a D film per se, but it's just, you know, it's there. There's just, it, it just feels like it's not fully realized. They didn't like, they had a great concept, but they just didn't let it cut loose. Yeah, I don't know if it was just not having enough means to do it, or or maybe, the, I don't know, maybe that, that was what they wanted. I don't know. It just feels like there was a lot of missed opportunity with utilizing the the creatures for more. So... Yeah, that's why, that's why I gotta give it a 6.5. I would probably come in a, a point higher... If, you know, they had maybe had some sort of dread, some sort of actual, like, uh, you know, like something was at stake. It felt like, you know, like everything was always ready to take off and was always ready to, to hit home. But it just like it never it just like I've already said that uh, the term, but it, it felt like it wasn't fully realized. Like they just didn't have it developed enough before they went into production. That, you know, maybe I'm wrong. And like you said, maybe that's part of what they wanted. But I, if it wasn't for Phil Fondacaro, I probably would end up giving this a four and a half, maybe even a five. But he brings it up a whole point and a half to almost two points for me. He, it says magnum opus as a, as a as a performing artist. I think he 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 sells everything he says, everything he does. I just wish they would have let the other they would have had a chance to let the other monsters cut loose. Yeah. Because you know, like like you said too, I didn't really care too much about you know uh Anna. I didn't care too much about David. I didn't really care really a whole lot about our main characters. It's all our little side characters that I liked. You know, I liked Berber, I like Christina, you know, uh Kristen Norton is great as Christina, Bill Moyan is is really good as Berber. He's uh, not somebody that I was really even familiar with besides this movie. I can probably, I'm, I'm sure there's probably a few other things in his credits that I've seen, but I can't, you know, can't think of anything off the top of my head. But 
except maybe jugular wine, which I do remember seeing back in the day, but I don't remember a whole lot about it. I don't know if you've ever seen that jugular wine, the vampire odyssey, really quirky, weird movie, but I've, I have it on VHS somewhere. And (laughs) same here somewhere. (laughs) I have not watched it in a dog's age. So I don't remember much of anything about it other than the fact that I, I think it had, Stan Lee and like Henry Rollins in it briefly. Well, I remember it had uh, Stan Lee, but I think it also had Frank Miller in it as well. That is that is very possible. I remember it having a bizarrely uh, high end <laughs> sort of uh, cast for being like a zero budgeter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, because it just is. It's it's a good movie, but it's just not quite a great movie. If you catch my drift, it's just it's a good one. It's it's good to one to watch if if you want to like, turn your brain off and see a really really great performance by Phil. It's anything. It's worth watching each time and every time for him. I'll, I'll watch it again, pretty much based on his performance alone, and probably not much else. <laughs> you know. There's, uh, you know, some of the other, like I said, the, some of the other characters, like the the one that, you know, uh, that uh, Bill plays is, 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 is good. But, yep, we show up for Phil, and we show up for Phil each time and every time. Yep. But that being said, I will probably say it's about time we put a pin in this one for the evening. I want to thank you. I know we did a double feature tonight, so it took a, several hours out of your, out of your, uh, evening so i hope i haven't worn you out on these things for a while (laughs) (laughs) always a pleasure all right well again thank you for giving me your time i appreciate it and i don't know what we're going to be picking next but it'll definitely be some more full moon goodness but uh folks thank you very much for listening as always uh, i am your host cameron scott this has been my co-host dustin hubbard and we have been reviewing and dissecting the creeps from 1997. what you are telling me my good doctor is that until you activated this machine of yours i had no real existence at all uh yes that's right you you were based on an historical figure but basically your work of fiction uh, you were created by a writer named Bram Stoker, uh, and uh, you've been portrayed on the stage and in the movies. Movies? Uh, that's not important, really. And all my memories, my battles with the Turks, my adversary Van Helsing. But that's all fiction. None of it really happened. You come from a book just like them. It seems as if I know them all, as if from a dream. Uh, yes, that's uh, that's not surprising. After all, you all uh, came from the same literary traditions. Literary tradition? No. 